Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Do you love watching live TV but are tired of your huge cable bill? Sling TV has the same top cable channels for as little as half the price, so you can save hundreds of dollars while still watching your favorite sports, news, reality TV, and more. Ditch cable and get Sling's total live streaming solution with free local channels. Setup and installation are included. Make the smart choice and switch to Sling TV. Get the best of cable for the best price. Learn more at sling.com slash cut cable. That's sling.com slash cut cable. Setup and installation included with $49 down and $20 a month for 12 months. Restrictions apply. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, dich abzuholen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and we're back. We did discuss on Friday when we'd pod next, but um, we decided that probably best to do it once the uh, competition is all over, once the Champions League was all wrapped up. But things changed, and this happened. Thomas Muller thought about the body, gets it back from Lewandowski, and Bayern Munich lead. It's Thomas Muller, just over three minutes play. And this... It's Gnabry, and now Perisic, it's in, and Bayern lead again. And then this. The game plan is causing you more problems than it's solving. And here we go again with Gnabry, and Bayern lead by three goals to one. And, well, to be honest, we haven't got enough time to go through the rest of them. But that's right, on Friday night we witnessed something rather spectacular, and that was Barcelona 2, Bayern Munich 8. Unbelievable, eh? So, yeah, we decided we'd better get potting once again. So, joining me, as always, is the head of the uh, Farmers League uh, Specialist Press, uh, Manu Vett. Manu, how are you? Yeah, I can't believe you actually used that as my title. <laughs> it's true, is it not? No? You wait for Farmers League. Is that what we're calling it now? Um, yeah, sure. Why not? I, I think this is this is a special podcast to all those that maybe don't appreciate um, that there is good football being played outside of the United Kingdom. Um, there's some very good other leagues out there and there's some very good football in, in Germany. There's some very good football in France. And I think, if anything, this Champions League season is highlighting it because... This is probably the first time that the Champions League semifinals are made up of two German and two French teams. I, I'm pretty sure there's been two German teams in the semifinal. Not 100% sure there's been two French teams in the semifinal as well, but I think it, it really does highlight that there is good football to be played all across the continent. And um, I do think that is something very positive. And I think maybe something that people, rather than looking down on other leagues, should maybe like just say, okay, well, there is, there is some you know, great stuff happening all around the world. And uh, that kind of really made me happy. So I have to actually say I had a very good week, Bryce. Yeah, I bet you did. Um, I couldn't agree more. I think um, people are very quick to uh, label other leagues, um, these kind of things, aren't they? But you're without even watching any. And yeah, it's uh, it has put a smile on all of our faces. So joining uh, Manu and I is TV superstar Chris Williams. Chris, how are you? Oh, thanks very much. Uh, I mean, TV star would probably be a push. Um, some random bald bloke with a beard on TV is probably more appropriate than, than TV star. But thanks very much, Bryce. Um, yeah, what a very strange week of football. Um, a man who's quite right. This is the first time um, since 1991 that there's been no semi-finalists from either England, Spain or Italy. So I think... That's where you get the the Farmers League shouts, isn't it, from those who just watch the Premier League or who just watch Serie A um, uh, or who, who, who just watch um, who just watch the other league that I completely forgot at the top of my mind because I don't even watch it. But people do um, do underestimate the quality, especially in Germany. I think they say that it's a one league team. Um, it's not. Um, that one team is is very good. 
and Barcelona are found out. And I think, Bryce, we need maybe we should start um, on on that scoreline because Barcelona two Bayern Munich eight wasn't a two legged game. It wasn't um, you know Roma three Barcelona two. It wasn't Liverpool four Barcelona three. After two legs, it was eight two after 90 minutes. In fact, the game was over after 30. I flippantly called them um, the Spanish HS Vowel, Spanish Hamburg, because they just got absolutely battered. Yeah, well, well this is exactly it. I, th- I think it was uh, Manu may have said the the other night uh, to us that, yeah, it was a, a two-legged uh, score uh, all done in one leg. It, it really was something phenomenal. I'd, I'm sure we'll get to the other games all in time, but we're going to have to start here. It's been a fantastic uh, competition so far. I think the last few days we've really been spoiled with some action. Where to begin with this game, though? Uh, I mean, eight goals, um, eight different assists. Coutinho even getting two against the you know the, the team that actually own him. Manu, where do we begin with this? I mean, Bayern Munich um, have been fantastic. We did say that we thought that they could um, go into this and really take it to uh, Barcelona. But with one game, you just don't know. And you know, when you've got Messi in your side, you know, you, you can create those uh, special moments. But um, <laughs> there weren't nearly enough for Barcelona and there were so many for Bayern Munich. I think there was really only about 10 minutes where the game could have maybe gone the other way. Um, I, you know, Thomas Müller scoring in the fourth minute, then David Alaba's um, own goal. And I think then there was about five, 10 minutes where Barcelona, they hit the post, where you sort of got a sense, okay, well, maybe Barcelona are still Barcelona, the Barcelona of old and the Barcelona that um, can still have something special. But then after Perisic scored, um, the floodgates opened and they really, really opened. And this was the first time in the history that Barcelona have scored, have conceded four goals in the first 30 minutes of a game. It's there. Um, and this, this is, this is something that I put in the match report. According to our Transfermarkt database, this is the heaviest defeat since 1940. Um, we have a friend who works at the uh, Guinness World Book of Records, Ralph Hanna, right? He's pointed out there was um, a game in 1946 that they lost um, 8-0 in, the, in, in a cup competition in Spain. So if you take that into account, it's the heaviest defeat since 1946. Either way, this is, this is heavy, right? But I think we still have to remember the first 10 minutes. It could have still gone either way. And I think before the game too, and Chris and I have chatted a bit about this. Um, we both thought that Bayern were the favorites, just based on what we've seen this entire year, how they played, um, the way they played against Chelsea, because that was a, a game too where they were sort of with the handbrake on a little bit, but still absolutely crushed Chelsea. Um, but you never know with Barcelona. But um, I think... Yeah, yeah, I kind of lost my words with this, what I was going to say next. But I think, you know, that when, when you look at this this performance, it's just, um, it is something that comes a little bit out of left field. Um, and I, I, as I said, it could have gone either way until, you know, the floodgates opened in the, the first 30 minutes. And I, I remember sitting there after the game and trying to, trying to put it all in words, the the things that have happened over those full 90 minutes because I had to write a 250-word match report. And sometimes that can be very difficult. Sometimes that can be very difficult because not that much happened. In this case, you know, you had to really sum up, you couldn't really describe all the goals because it was just too much. And I think that's just sums up this extraordinary event. It's just something that we're probably not going to see for a long time. Yeah, this is it. I mean, these scorelines don't come along very often, especially um, you know, at, at this high level. Maybe at a Sunday league level, you might uh, come home and your wife asks you how the game going. You say, I lost 8-2 and she wouldn't bat an eyelid. But at this level, it's it's, it's not very common, is it? Uh, Chris, um, how good were Bayern Munich? Um, and uh, There's plenty of people talking about just how bad Barcelona are, how they've got an ageing side, they need to rebuild this, that and the other. But that's maybe taking away the credits that Bayern Munich deserve. We've seen in recent times uh, and towards the well turn of the year, probably, they, they've been absolutely fantastic under Hansi Flick. Yeah, they have. They've been simply unplayable if you're an opponent at times, um, not just in the Bundesliga, but also across, you know, throughout the European competition. Um, 
And he's quite right. They they brushed aside Chelsea in that second leg, which was a bit of a dead rubber. But if you go back to that first leg, I thought they were uh, like sensational at Stamford Bridge. And since Flick's come in, and especially since the turn of the new year after that winter break, um, I think they've been excellent. I, I saw them against Hertha Berlin. Um, I've seen them a few times this season, but I remember specifically that game against Hertha Berlin because it was just coming out of the winter break. And um, they seem to be lost a little bit um, but Coutinho was playing that day and he just switched the, the entire game and, and they played a, a sort of style that we saw um, the other night, which was just terrifyingly fast. Uh, I know there's been quite a bit of criticism about how high Kimmich and how high Davies were and was that a little bit of a problem and could Barcelona have got in behind maybe if they had, I mean, a little bit more quality. It sounds crazy saying that about Barcelona, but you know, they were lacking a bit of quality or had they tried to do that, which they did early on, they were finding some success behind that high line. But I think Hansi Flick's not stupid. He's a very clever man. He's a very clever coach. I think he'll have seen how Barcelona have collapsed in this competition. And it's because he'll have looked at that game against Roma, where Roma played very high, pressed them, were completely in their faces um, and, and took the game away from them. He will, of course, watch last season's game um, at Anfield, where Liverpool did the same. They played a very high line, um, but pressed Barcelona off the park, made them feel uncomfortable, and you get those couple of goals. And I said this to to a couple of other people before the game kicked off. Barcelona, when they go a couple of games behind, a couple of goals behind now in a Champions League fixture, in a crucial Champions League fixture, they seem to implode because they know what went on. Um, I think the the problems at Roma um, were evident at Anfield. And I think the problems the other night in Lisbon um, were evident from those two games. Is Manu's quite right. For that 10 minutes, when it was 1-1, it looked like it was going to be 7-7 at one point. Um, but yeah, when that second, and especially when the third goal went in, um, that sort of killed that sort of killed the game. And you could see you could see everything just drain away from Barcelona. And that was only on the 27th minute when Granabri scored that. But Bayern were just sensational. I thought Thiago controlled the central area like like he was 20 not not a player who's 29 Leon Goretzka's come out of this lockdown like a man machine um looked superb and then you're talking about the front four um Perisic Muller Gnabry and obviously Robert Lewandowski who got his goal in the end but it was just superb play by Bayern and I know I did notice a couple of people comment that maybe they weren't at their best but I mean, they were playing Barcelona after all. Um, and I thought, I, I quite happily say it was one of the most complete performances I've seen. And I know that I said they had a hard line and that could get them a problem. But the way they were so clinical, the way they moved the ball, the way they recycled it, the way they stretched Barcelona left to right, front to back, they didn't give them a minute's piece. And as the goals went in, Barcelona fell apart. I don't know, Manu, if you saw that video of Vidal um, at the end. Um where he's not happy, he's 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 blowing, he's out of steam, he's out of gas, and I think that was the the last goal where Coutinho scored, and yeah, it was um it was it was pretty telling for me to see how tired Barcelona were from a team that I remember 2011 that was the best team on the planet, um to be outplayed like that in a Champions League game is um is something that we will remember for a very long time. It's just a shame that it wasn't in a packed stadium. Of course, if it was in a packed stadium, it would have been over two legs and we'll never know what the scoreboard had been. But we take it as what it is. And that was 8-2 over one leg and the football was of the highest order. Yeah, actually, I think I regained my words a little bit because I, I guess I'm still trying to comprehend what happened. But um, that's exactly what I, the point I tried to make earlier, Chris, is that for the first 20 minutes, they didn't really quite seem at their best. And there was moments in this game where Bayern still seemed that they're the best. And that's, I think, when you are one of the other three teams that could still face them in this competition, I think that would really scare you because I, I think they're still trying trying to find their legs a little bit. And um, they, they had, of course, the 90 minutes against Chelsea where they also made one defensive mistake. They had their now their 90 minutes against uh, Barcelona where you can say they made two and a half defensive mistakes, right? The... I counted two goals that they conceded and uh, the the ball that hit the post. And yet they're still unstoppable, right? They're not even at their best and they're still unstoppable. 
And I think that is sort of the point I try to make. And so much was made about this defensive high line um, and how high this defensive line is and how it's such a risk that Bayern are taking. And I think the commentators are quite right, but they are forgetting that Bayern, and I don't care what anyone out there says um, about all these other keepers, like whether it be Allison, Addison, Ter Stegen, Oblak, all these guys, no one can play like a libero, like Manuel Neuer. And that's why they can play so high. And they can also play so high because if Kimmich plays right back, he's one of the fastest right backs in the world and one of the most intelligent right backs in the world. And if Fonzi plays left back, he is one. He is the fast, probably the fastest player on the planet right now because what he did in that second half where to set up the fifth goal, that was filthy. It was filthy dirty. I mean, Semedo's career was ended that day. Let's be honest here. And I think that is really, when you look at all of this, a Bayern side that wasn't at their best, still is work, trying to work out some of their kinks in their defensive game, had a game almost turn on them, even though they are quality-wise way better than Barcelona, um, still managed to win 8-2. That is remarkable. And I think that's very scary if you are uh, Olympic Lyon, PSG, or RB Leipzig were still left in this competition. Well, Manu, may I just ask, what has been the reaction uh, to this um, phenomenal scoreline in Germany? Um, obviously, it's uh, unusual, but uh, it draw, does draw some comparisons, or seems to be, uh, with uh, Germany 7, Brazil 1. Yeah, actually, obviously that came to mind. I think it came to, to mind during the game as well, because this is Bayern Munich is a team with a lot of German players, right? Um, and a lot of players that were on the field um, when Germany absolutely debom- demolished Brazil 7-1 in Brazil. And Thomas Müller said, well, there was a big difference between Brazil between the Brazil game and the Barcelona game. He said, we never were that much in control against Brazil as we were against Barcelona, which is mind-boggling. I mean, <laughs> again, lost for words. I mean, this is, this is such, a, such an impressive thing to say. But I think the... The reaction by the different players and the coaches, they really tried to tone this down, bring this way down, the enthusiasm, bring it way down, bring the all the positive press, bring it all way down and said, this was just a game. This is just the quarterfinal. We haven't won anything yet. And this is really the danger that can happen to teams, right? That um, if you win a game big like that, you think maybe the rest of the tournament is a foregone conclusion. And I think the press in Germany really echoes that. Um, I mean, we all saw the press reports coming out of Spain and they were quite clear. It was a historical, it was a debacle. It was like, uh, what did you call German, the German, the German side, a steamroller, all that kind of stuff. But I think in Germany it was like, this is great, but it's not going to win them anything. And I think that's really the right attitude to do, to have. And, um, I think Bayern Munich are very going to be very good about putting this game into perspective because so many players have had the experience of being in an historical game like this before during the 2014 World Cup. And remember, Hansi Flick was Joachim Löw's assistant at that 2014 World Cup um, and was very much in charge of the tactical aspects, working directly with the players. So he will be very good instead of saying okay guys that was great um this was a fantastic historical achievement but no one is going to talk about this fantastic historical achievement if we walk if we go home after the semi-final or if we lose the final this is just one step and i think um that bayern we're very good about putting this game into perspective very quickly and Chris, uh, we talked about you know, many of the uh, Bayern players uh, really playing out of their skin. You, you mentioned you know, how good Thomas Muller was you know, playing um, like a man 10 years younger even. Uh, would you say that Thomas Muller and, and likes uh, John Botang it should be maybe included in the national side once again? You know, it, it had been made clear that they wouldn't play for them again. But with these kind of performances, surely it's hard to look past them. I'll deal with Boateng first. Um, I like Boateng. I think he's a great player, but I do think he's suspect to to an error every now and again. Um, and I think if Nicolas Sula is super fit, um, he starts there for me. Um, so I don't know. And that's to take nothing away from Boateng. I thought he played um, very well. You know, he got that yellow card, which I think 
and probably helped the decision to remove him because even if you're ridiculously in front of any team, no one wants to go down to 10 men. Um, But Thomas Muller, maybe he's one of these guys now that is getting a, a new lease of life because he doesn't have that problem of, of having to play these extra games internationally. He can just concentrate on his club football. Um, I think he could still do a very good job for Germany. Um, will Joachim Love go back on his word? Probably not because I don't think that we're going to see that much real high quality international football um, for the next year or so. I wouldn't be surprised if the World Cup wasn't particularly high in quality with the, the break that we've seen. I think there's going to be a lot of injuries next season um, because of the small break which will impact the Euros especially. Um, I just think Thomas Muller is a great club player now and for me that's what you should focus on uh, because Germany have to look to the future at some point which is what um, Joachim Löw did by saying he didn't want to play Boateng and Muller anymore. He wanted to look to the future so I get that um, and he is 30 years old um, and I know you can play on till 30, 34, 35. I mean, you can even be 42 almost like um, Pizarro was. So you can play on a lot longer these days. But I think for Muller to be hitting these same heights, um, which is exceptional. I mean, his level of play is where it was four or five years ago, which was very, very good. I do think the um, Ancelotti and um, Kovac era didn't get the best out of him. And now Hansi Flick, someone he knows well, is getting the very, very best out of him. Um, but Bayern have just got so much quality in all those areas. Um, it, it's hard to see how players come in. I mean, you've got to throw Leroy Sane into this team as well at some point. Um, Hernandez is is coming back from fitness issues. Um, I know Javi Martinez is still there, but it's looking likely he may move on. Thiago, of course, has been linked to Liverpool and Man City and PSG. Um, Felipe Coutinho could play a very vital role in this side, but the price seems a little bit too much um, in order to make his deal permanent. I think he's had a great time at Bayern and I think it was really nice that he came on and, and scored and assisted. Um, I think that was the, really good for him. And I think it also shows what a mess Barcelona are in. The fact that they paid... I think they paid Liverpool £142 million so far. Um, and Barcelona have ended up loaning him to Bayern and he's stuck the knife in in a very professional way. He didn't celebrate, but he's still very professional on the pitch. Um, and it is worth to note and to mention that that Liverpool's contract with Barcelona for Coutinho is individual. So should Felipe Coutinho win the Champions League with Bayern Munich, um, Barcelona have to pay Liverpool another €5 million, Euros, which I think is quite funny as well, um, obviously being a Liverpool fan. But yeah, the, the team is just full of players and, and Thomas Muller is just such a good player. I liked his um, post-match interview. Manu's mentioned it there. You know, He says this game, the next game's nil-nil. Don't care if the opponents have or haven't seen it. You know, We go again from nil-nil, start all over again. That shows a desire and a determination for me. And this competition is now Bayern Munich's to lose, I feel. Um, I think Leon did very well to put out Manchester City last night. A very nervous Manchester City. Um, Pep Guardiola's not done too well in this competition since he left Barcelona. Spent almost a billion euros at Bayern and Manchester City trying to get this competition. He's got nowhere near it. Um, so if Bayern get past Leon, which I think they will, because I think they're a little bit too strong, then they'll either meet PSG or Leipzig. I personally think it's going to be an all-German final. Well, this is it. I was going to go on to uh, Leon then. So we'll go to Manu very uh, briefly on it before uh, talking about uh, RB Leipzig. Um, Leon next up, You know, as Chris said, beating uh, Manchester City unexpectedly. But... Um, how do you feel about um, Bayern going into this? I mean, is the competition theirs to lose, Manu? Yeah, it is. Um, I, I no disrespect to Olympic Lyon. They were fantastic against uh, Manchester City. But you have to also keep in mind that Manchester City, and Pep Guardiola in particular, is incapable in cup matches. And I think there was quite a few good quotes that came out um, from Thomas Müller, actually, staying on topic, um, and a piece that was written by The Athletic. I think it was written by um, Rafa Honigstein, 
Um, he wrote a piece on Pep Guardiola and speaking to some former Bayern players. And he said, um, Thomas Müller said in the league, it was always about us. We always played the game the way we, we, we to our strengths. And that's why we always won our games. But as soon as it came to cup competition, uh, Guardiola tried to change our setup and tried to play um, to the tactical to the tactics of the opponent. And you saw that with the game yesterday. Um, Man City were all over the place. The, the team wasn't tactically well set up at all. I mean, there should be no way in the world that a team that is worth over a billion euros goes out to Olympic Lyon. And as good as Lyon were, they benefited from them, their opponent, not knowing what they were doing. And I mean, the Barcelona were tactically were a disaster. Um, it was an absolute, sorry, Manchester City were an absolute tactical disaster. And I just can't see Flick making the same mistake. Flick is going to go out there and he's going to put the same side out and he's going to say, we don't care if it's Lyon, we don't care if it's Barcelona, we don't care if it's City, we don't care if it's RB Leipzig. We're always going to play the same way because we're Bayern Munich. We are Mir San Mir. It's literally on the back of their shirt, right? And I think that that's going to really help Bayern because they're going. Lyon is going to meet a very dominant side that, yes, are going to play a very high line. But you look at the quality of this Bayern Munich team and I just can't see anyone in the world beat them right now. I just can't see it. And I might eat my, my hat um, on, I think they're playing on Wednesday and Lyon might kick them out. But I think when you look at this Bayern side, it's 100% theirs to lose. Well, this is it. They will face uh, Leon on Wednesday night. And I think it's important that we move on now and speak about uh, RB Leipzig, who will be playing on Tuesday night um, against uh, PSG after a fantastic victory um, against Atletico Madrid. Uh, they went 1-0 up. Um, Joe Felix then came off the bench to equalise, but Tyler Adams scored with only two minutes of play left and leaving it 2-1. A fantastic victory for Julian Nagelsmann and RB. Leipzig. Top by Sabitzer and Angelino has got him behind here and he's got support from Adams. It's in. Two and a half minutes left to play. Leipzig are in front. Tyler Adams with the help of a deflection has scored the goal which has put Leipzig on the verge of their first Champions League semi-final. Tried his luck and his luck was in. Chris, you said that you feel that both the German sides are going to reach the final. Um, that means that you're suggesting that uh, they're going to breeze past PSG after what you've seen um, they produced against Atletico Madrid. Oh, breeze past would be a word I didn't use and that you have misquoted me at, Bryce. So um, I should get that in very quickly. <laughs> I'm, being, I'm being hopeful here. Uh, yeah, I don't think they will breeze past PSG. Um, I think we saw PSG's quality. Okay, they left it late, um, but you know, very good teams do. Um, I don't know how fit Mbappe will be. I think he was crucial to the way that PSG were able to attack um, once he came on. He was said to be good for 30 minutes. I don't know how much that 30 minutes will have put back his rehabilitation. Only Thomas Tuchel will know that. Um, and yeah, they, they will, of course, be a, a prime threat to Leipzig, but for Nagelsmann and Leipzig, this is a free hit for them. Um, I did say back in, well, I don't know when it was, I think it was January, that I, I thought Bayern would get to the final in Istanbul then. And I thought Leipzig would get to the semi-final because of the way Nagelsmann set them up and the way they played this year. Um, I think that the game against PSG is almost too close to call for me. Of course, I'd like to see an all-German final, of course, because I cover German football. Um, and I think Leon, uh, sorry, I think Leipzig have the ability to beat PSG. Uh, it's going to be a high-scoring game, I feel, because both sides look to attack, um, and it could be whoever holds the nerve. The only thing that makes me worry a bit for Leipzig, having seen a lot of them this season, um, and especially since the games came back after the break, did a couple of um, co-commentary games for the DFL World Radio feed, is that they can labour from. Um, borderline world-class to average from game to game at times. And I think if you are going to get lost in a fixture against a team of the quality of PSG, you could get stung. Um, I don't mean heavily, but if they 
they fall asleep or they lose concentration for 10 to 15 minutes against a side such as PSG that are you know littered with world-class stars, you can be heavily punished. Um, but if Leipzig go out and play the way they did in the quarterfinal and the way I've seen them play against the likes of Mainz, um, I think they can, can have a very good game. This one coming up, though, is maybe one to see how badly Timo Werner was missed because um, Atletico Madrid were always going to play deep. They were always going to ask Leipzig to invite them on and, and to try and, and get through their deep line, deep line block, which Simeone loves. Um, and that wouldn't have been the right game for Werner anyway. I think he likes to play in acres of space. Um, they will get that against this PSG side. So whoever he goes with up front will have to be ready for that and they'll have to be clinical, um, which Timo Werner's been. And he's also been a little unclinical at times. So this will be a good indication for me of where Leipzig sit. Um, I really hope they get through to the final. Um, take out all the um, marketing and membership issues and traditional values. Um, I think when we get to these latter stages, I'd like to see German teams do well. Um, and for me, Leipzig do it very well on the pitch. I think we've talked at length about what goes on in the boardroom um, and what goes on off the pitch. But on the pitch, and this is what this last stage of the Champions League is about, it's about football on the pitch. Um, I hope they get to the final. Should they get to the final, like Manu said, I can't see anyone beating Bayern, especially having watched um, Leipzig Bayern a couple of times already this season. And of course, in the Pokal um, last season, they sort of fizzled out in their big opportunity. Uh, would they do that again? Would the nerves get to them? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure they could stand up in a final. Um, and maybe if they were to get through, it would be quite a high scoring game, which maybe that's why Manchester City decided to dip out last night, Bryce, because... I think they could have been on the wrong end of a Barcelona score line as well. Oh, what a shite that would have been. Um, yeah, so Manu, talking about RB Leipzig, um, you know, arguably you could say one of the biggest surprises um, in the competition to get this far. You know, how much credit have we got to give to uh, Julian Nagelsmann? You know, the, the coach is only 33. Um, th this is quite the feat for for any coach, you know, to get this far. But at that age, uh, and you know, with such a, a young club, um, it's fantastic, isn't it? Um, and I suppose then the, the question is um, a little bit um, similar to what Chris has said. What, what chances do you give them against PSG and then maybe even further? Oh, I think the toughest opponent um, they had in this competition thus far was Atletico. I think that it doesn't get much more difficult than Atletico in the Champions League period. I think that the way Diego Simeone plays in cup competitions is very, very difficult to beat. I think that when you when you eliminate a team of Atletico's caliber that twice in a row eliminated Bayern Munich, um, can't forget that, right? This is a very good club, a very well-run club. It's one of the best-run clubs in the world. I have enormous respect for anything that Atletico Madrid do. I have enormous respect for anything that Diego Simeone does. And I know that there's always shout-outs to he plays anti-football, he plays defensive football, he plays destructive football. No, he's not. He's plays, he plays to the strengths of his club. And to be Leipzig and basically say, okay, well, this is the football that you want to play, fine, we'll play the same football then. And they did. I mean, they, they, they destroyed Atletico Madrid with their own weapons. It was a very physical affair. Nayul and Agusman clearly said to his players, look, they're going to bully you over the field. Don't let them. Bully back. And that was made this so enjoyable to watch. And it, it really showed that Leipzig are a little bit of a chameleon, that they can adapt to their opponent's, opponent's strengths and can play to their opponent's strengths and can equalize it. And... To um, go up 1-0, um, by 1-1, you know, the expectations was now that Atletico would basically kick them out. But then to have Tyler Adams score that goal that made all of America scream at the televisions, because that's literally what happened. Um, he's the first first American to score in the quarterfinal stage or later uh, in the Champions League. What a shout-out for him, right? And I, I thought that... Nagelsmann adapted so well to the changing situation and both Chris and I have accused him of being a little bit of a tinkerer, a little bit like Pep Guardiola in that regard, right? But I think he's learning um, and he's learning 
game by game. And this is a man who's, if he was on the podcast, would be the youngest person on this podcast, right? And we have to keep that in mind. And I think that as he grows in this competition, he will, will learn, keep learning too. And um, with all due to respect to PSG, I think that they will be actually an easier opponent to an Atletico because Mbappé's health issues, I think that um, for Nagelsmann, it will be much easier to take one or two key pieces in this PSG side and say, okay, if we stop them, those two players, the game is ours, right? That's just not possible possible of Atletico. So I think that uh, on paper, this is actually an easier fixture for Leipzig. And um, yeah, Werner missing, it's really a shame. Uh, I think if you're Timo Werner and you're currently training in London, you must be feeling a little bit bad that this is the decision that was made. Not just by him, but both clubs as well, right? Because Leipzig would have had to pay 5 million euros in in loan fees, um, which is a risk that they didn't want to take um, for what could have been just one game in the Champions League. But still, I mean, he must be looking at this and say like, oh boy, there, there could have been a chance of me maybe winning the Champions League. Because I think, I do think that if Leipzig make the final, they would be the most likeliest to beat Bayern Munich because of, the, of them knowing um, Bayern is an opponent. The games have been very close. I was at the Allianz Arena when Leipzig did play against Bayern and that game could have gone in Leipzig's favor. Um, and I think that, you know, he might be, he might be currently sitting in London and really being worried that he might lose out on a Champions League, on winning the Champions League. I know he's still going to get the medal, but let's be honest here. No one is really cares if you weren't on the game, on the field for those 90 minutes. Manu, just to step away from the uh, Champions League a little bit, but still stick with uh, RB Leipzig, uh, being linked with a striker at the moment, uh, Alexander Surlot, um, who uh, Norwegian striker who is either owned by a London-based club or a Turkish club. No one can seem to tell. I, I did a piece for Transfermarkt and our information then was that Trabzonspor have an option to buy him. But Chris messaged me this morning and Chris, your information is a little different. Uh, yes, it is. Um, by the time this podcast comes out, you'll probably be able to see my face on television, unlucky you, um, speaking about this. So, yeah, I did some digging today. Um, and, yeah, Sir Lot is um, indeed still owned by Crystal Palace. So, um, obviously, he was on loan last season at Trasbonsor. Fantastic. Scored 33 goals, 11 assists, 49 appearances. You know, that shows how good he is. Um, there's an option to buy for Trasbonsor for 6 million euros it is, but that is only... Um, if he plays 50% of the games next season, which obviously hasn't got underway. Um, and Trasbonsor's manager smoked this morning and said that he wouldn't be surprised if Crystal Palace was to negotiate a deal with a top club because of how good he is. So as it stands right at this moment, um, he's still owned by Crystal Palace and that's where the negotiations would be. However, we haven't heard anything about had Leipzig even spoken to Crystal Palace or Trasbonsor at the moment, but they have agreed... Um, they have agreed personal terms with Sir Lot, and he looks to be on the move. So there we go. There could be a, a new uh, goal scorer in uh, Leipzig uh, for next season, but we'll have to wait and see what the story is there. In the meantime, they're going to have to uh, just do what they've got in the final two, potentially, uh, Champions League games. Uh, sorry, Bryce, uh, I don't know Manu, if, if Manu mentioned it then, but um, apologies if you did, Manu, because I didn't hear it. Um, but Sir Lot would be a replacement for Schick, not Werner. Yes, this is um, correct, isn't it? Uh, it looks like uh, he will be sticking with Roma or going somewhere else um, rather soon, but not Leipzig. Um, so, yeah, Manu, just to um, go back to the Champions League, um, mentions before, we've got three German coaches um, ahead of the four teams going into the semi-finals. Um, a, a hell of a feat. The first time this has ever been done. Um, this isn't um, that long after Germany had a bit of a torrid time, didn't they, in the World Cup. So things are somewhat looking much improved uh, for German football at the moment. I, I don't think things were ever really that bad. I think Germany just um, had so many off-field issues at the World Cup that it really didn't, that tournament really didn't highlight the true strengths of German football. And of course, Germany went into full crisis mode, as Germans usually do. The, the glass is always half empty if you're German, not half full. Um, I'm one of the few Germans, I think, that are more optimistic than pessimistic. 
I think German football is just fine. I think German football, yeah, there is some issues with talent development, and yeah, there is there's a generation, half a generation, maybe that could could have been developed a little bit better. But look at look at the world class coaches we have. Uh, I think Julian Balak did yesterday did a piece about uh, a, a video piece on CBC saying how Spanish football, Spanish coaches, are still revolutionizing the game, but. I, 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 you know, because it's end of the Premier League, but you look at the Premier League, how much German influence there is right now. You look at the world's best coaches, they are all German um, because the world's best coach isn't even in this competition anymore. And that's Jurgen Klopp. And I mean, that's for me, hands down, Jurgen Klopp has to be now the best coach in the world. I mean, forget about Pep Guardiola. I think Pep Guardiola is... A best, maybe the best world's football thinker, but when it comes to the results that he gets, um, I don't think he is in that category right now. And you look at the what Hansi Flick is doing with this Bayern side uh, in in this short order, it's it's a phenomenal thing. And Flick was um, a very important part of uh, getting Germany to win the World Cup. Um, Thomas Tuchel, he's often underappreciated, I think, around the world because he didn't have a great playing career, but. I mean, it's quite what he's doing in PSG with all these big personalities in the dressing room. Don't underestimate that. It's a very difficult thing because those big personalities don't always take him that serious. And I think he is a phenomenal coach. I know Chris really likes him and we've seen some of the football he played with Borussia Dortmund. I think he is a phenomenal coach. And Julian Nagelsmann, I mean, he's the world's biggest talent when it comes to, uh, in the world, when it comes to coaching. I think there's no one who's going to be better than him five, six years from now when he is finding the finished product. And I think that the future for German football is bright. Look at the the young players that were involved in, in this Bayern victory. And there were several young German players playing for PSG as well. Um, there were two German goalkeepers involved. I know if it wasn't a great night for Ter Stegen, but there was two great German goalkeepers involved in that quarterfinal. Um, you look at the young German talent that is now all flooding to the Premier League um, at Chelsea, for example. I, I think the future is just all right. And I think when you look at the, the current stage, I personally also think, and I mean, we can debate this probably to death, but and I think it changes every year. But I think this year, the Bundesliga was the best league in the world. And that's why we're having the, these kind of results. I know that can change again next year. Maybe next year, the Premier League will be the best league in the world again, or La Liga, or Serie A, or Liga. Um, but I think this year, when it shows in this tournament in particular, I think the German football is, had a little blip at, in 2018. And I think it's just doing okay now. And it's, doing, and it's showing that you know, it's still very much world class. I like Manu that you say Julian Nagelsmann. You know when he's closer to the finisher product in uh, you know five years time or so, he still won't even be forty. Unbelievable, eh? But um, yeah, guys, we we've covered a, a lot of ground, uh, but we've got several uh, Twitter questions, so we'll, we'll move on to them. Uh, Chris, I'm gonna go to you first. Um, Joshua asks, "Is Davies the best left back in the world? Get it in now before anyone else does." He certainly um, got the potential to be the left best left back in the world, um, and right at this particular time, I think he's displaying all the traits of of being a superb um, high attacking wing backer. He can attack well. I think we saw his attacking um, his attacking strengths the other night, and for his age, it's simply unbelievable. He's also very good at tracking back and defending, something that sometimes um, attacking wing backs aren't particularly good at. Um, is he the best left back in the world? He's certainly up there. Um, you know, I, I can't um, not look at what Andy Robertson did at Liverpool last season and the first part of this season. I think a lot of people are now looking at when football came back, which was a little bit different. But I mean, them two or those two speak the Queen's English. Um, those two are um, certainly fighting it out with which one's the best. Um, you know, Davies gets himself a league medal and a Champions League medal, plenty of people will say he's the best. But Robertson's also got a, a, a Premier League or a you know league title winner's medal and also a Champions League medal. I mean, do we have to do we have to say that one's the best all the time? Um I, I it's like, you know, and I know these two aren't the same, but it's like Ronaldo Messi. You you will always find people who will say one and the other. Um for me, I think that um Alfonso Davies is up there with um 
Andy Robertson as being the best left back in the world at the moment. But for me, I'm not going to split the two. I'm going to say I enjoy them both. I'm going to chime in here. I feel like I have to, Bryce. Uh, are we, have we even established yet that Davis is a left back? Because that was not a left back move <laughs> against Semedo. Uh, I think he is a phenomenal talent. And we have to remember that he's only 19. And we also have to remember that arguably one of the world's best left backs is David Alaba, who is actually playing with him. And actually, Chris, Andrew Robertson, 100%, I'm with you there too. But Davies is 19. Imagine if you could shop the shelves of all your local liquor stores at the same time. Well, spoiler alert, you can with Drizzly, the number one alcohol delivery app. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code SAVE5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Just we should maybe remember that, that we haven't really seen the full product here either. And there's a lot of things that we still need to work on. We don't even know yet that that is the position he's going to end up in. Oh yeah, he's so young, isn't he? And it's his first year in Europe. It's quite the first year. It's very impressive. But um, yeah, I think a good answer by Chris as well. Um, right, let's go to the next one. We've got uh, Darth Marth asked, uh, we'll put this one to Manu. Uh, Bayern's Champions League so far, 9 wins from 9, 39 goals. Against Liverpool last season, it was a toothless home team. Yet Lewandowski, Muller and others were all there. Flick has clearly waved a magic wand, but what exactly has he implemented that has created this massive turnaround? Yeah, I love this question. Um, thank you so much for answering for, for asking that because it is a very good question. I think everyone on this podcast would like to see that Liverpool-Bayern game now with Klopp and Flick in charge because I think it would be a very different game. I don't think... Were, I'm not necessarily saying that Bayern would win it. I just think the entire... Everything would be different. It would be a much more even competition and um, it's really a shame that we never got to see a Liverpool-Bayern final, I think, um, with those two coaches in charge. Flick is is in so many ways perfect for this club because although he is maybe one of the best coaches in the world tactically, maybe because he's also the most, one of the best thinkers of the game in the world, he is not a massive personality. Bayern Munich have never been about coaches. The coaches that have been the most successful at Bayern Munich, like Jupp Heynckes, they kind of blend a little bit into the background. They work and they let the big stars talk. You know, Bayern has always been, how often have we on this podcast, for example, said, oh, Thomas Müller, he's not happy with the coach. It's only a matter of time until insert the coach is going to be gone, right? It's always been like that at Bayern. It's always, when it wasn't Thomas Müller, it was Lothar Matthäus. When it wasn't Lothar Matthäus, it was Franz Beckenbauer. It, it's always been like that. And Flick, he puts the personalities in the dressing room on a, on an upper level and he just works and kind of coaches in the background he kind of just man manages everyone and i think that is what has turned things around he plays to the strengths of the side without trying to put a stamp on this team and it works it just works he goes to thomas Müller and says okay i know this is the position that you're best in so we're gonna play you in that position he goes to you know, Davies and says, like, just play left back the way you feel comfortable playing left back. He's not playing like a left back. And I think that is just where his strengths are. He he puts the players in the positions that they're the most comfortable with and it doesn't try to force them into a tactical concept that not, doesn't fit the club like Niko Kovac did or like Carlo Ancelotti did or even Pep Guardiola at times. 
And I think that's how he's turned things around. He is just playing to the big personalities in the dressing room. Well, I was thinking this earlier when you, when you were mentioning um, Liverpool, um, you know, taking on Bayern and how you know that Klopp uh, Hansi Flick um, game would have been very entertaining uh, if if it had have happened. If Liverpool had have been a little bit better against Atletico Madrid, um, Chris, when I think about the eight-two uh, victory, um, I was thinking, what other team in Europe would be able to beat Bayern or beat Barcelona? by such a scoreline, score so many goals against them. And I was thinking, I don't think anyone, unless it was maybe Liverpool, um, would you agree with that? Yeah, but you've got to take into context the first leg that I was at in the Camp Nou where Liverpool lost 3-0. That was never a 3-0 game either. Um, you know, It could have been 3-3, but the, <laughs> the fact of the matter is they lost 3-0 that night and they required you know, a phenomenal performance six days later to turn that over. Um We'll never know because it, this is the you know, the tournament's a one-off game at the moment. I would have liked to have seen Liverpool play Bayern um, in a final, maybe in Kiev. That would have been a, a nicer final for me than the one I went to and watched. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're into hypotheticals. It would be nice to see them play each other in a competitive fixture. Um, and this is where the the competition format for me is a little different this season because obviously because of coronavirus pandemic, we're down to single leg games, which um, I'm a real big fan of, by the way. Um, I don't know if they're going to stay. Um, and there are a lot of people saying that they'd like to. There are a lot of people saying, oh, no, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But at this particular minute, it fits like a glove. I'd be surprised to see it stay because um, each team would lose a substantial amount of money. I think it's around about four to five million pound each um, if there was no second leg in the last eight or last four. Um, so I don't think that's going to happen. But as it is, these one-off games are great. And it would have been nice to have seen Liverpool play Bayern in a one-off game because the way the draw worked out, had Liverpool beat Atletico Madrid, they would have been um, in the in the other side with PSG and Leipzig. Um, so yeah, it would have been nice to have seen that. But we'll never know, Bryce. Um, yes, on their day, Liverpool could beat Bayern. But on Bayern's day... Bayern could quite easily beat Liverpool. It'd be a very close match, one I'd enjoy watching. I suppose so. What I was trying to say in a roundabout way is, you know, credit to Flick uh, because he's he's come in. You're not even with a full season under his belt, and we're saying that you know they they're going to be up there, possibly as good as your Klopp after being at Liverpool for several years. You know, so so credit to them and Bayern. I'll just jump, I'll just jump in there. He has got a slightly better side. Uh, he's taken over a slightly better side than Klopp did. Very true, but we, you know, as Manu mentioned, we have seen other coaches come in and not do quite as well. He's he's done a, a very good job, and, and, and you brought up uh, about the format of the competition as well. And Manu, I just wanted to to ask you, how do you feel about the format at the moment? Oh, it needs to stay, but it won't because it's money. Uh, it's really unfortunate, but I think UEFA needs to figure out to keep this format. Um, the football is better; it's a hundred percent better, um, and maybe by selling it um as a euro like um a, what was it saying final eights tournament where a country hosts the final eights um of of both competitions the europa league and the champions league i know there's a lot of money that uefa makes on um giving hosting rights for the for the uh, UA, european championships so maybe this is a way around to make up for lost revenue but i think it, they need to find a way to keep this um, and my fear is that they don't because they will put money first and it's lost home game revenue, right? Chris and I have spoken about this privately. and um, But I think anyone who's watched this, we can all see the quality is just better because there is no tactical considerations. There is no away goal to worry about. Um, and it will also lead to more different teams winning the competition. I am certain about that because... On the night, you will get a Leipzig maybe upsetting a PSG, right? Um, you will see a Lyon maybe upsetting a City. But we all know in the return games, they would sort of make up for it somehow, right? So I really hope that we find a way to keep this, but I'm not too hopeful. I think it could be a real unique selling point for the Europa League. Um, I mean, I, I'm a fan of this um, whole setup, final eight. And, and yeah, it would have to be one country because... You know, imagine eight teams and eight sets of fans all trying to find hotels in Lisbon. It, it would be unworkable. But in Portugal, it would be workable with games in Lisbon and Porto and um, 
Bovista, etc. Um, there is lots of opportunity. Now, it would not be particularly fair for, for some fans who can't afford to travel. I get that. Um, which is why I think the Champions League will keep its two legs. But for the Europa League, this could be something that drives more interest in it because it is a second-tier competition. Um, and UEFA are always looking at ways of improving it, making it a, a, a better spectacle for fans, for television. And I think going down to a final eight competition would, would mark this whole competition out in, in a different level. I think people would be excited for it. Um, I personally think the Champions League will stay two legs and, and, a, and a neutral final. Um, but for the Europa League, I, I certainly think this is something that could happen. When would they play it, though? Because you wouldn't want the Europa League being played after the Champions League because it's a pinnacle tournament, so it needs to finish the season. Um, that means you'd have to then delay the Europa League. In, uh, sorry, you'd have to delay the Champions League final in order to take in this final eight competition. It'd have to be after the seasons have all finished, so therefore all European seasons would have to finish exactly the same time, or they'd have to finish within a reasonable gap of each other. That currently doesn't happen. Um, and then it would ebb into pre-season like we are now. I mean, I know we've had a big break, but if, let's say, the season normally finishes in May, you would look at going into a competition format in early June, which means you'd be finished by you know, late June. Um, and then teams would be going on holiday and they're back into pre-season. Um, some of them are back into season late July. And then you've got qualification for the tournament the year after. Um, it'd be a lot to work out. But I think for the Europa League, it could it could be a keeper and it could mark that tournament out as a special one. Yeah, let's wait and see. I know one thing we've certainly enjoyed in the last few weeks of football, haven't we? But um, uh, Chris, uh, I've got to go back to you. We we have a question um, here from uh, Zeni Pocconi. I think that's right. Anyway, anyway, um, as um, how come German and English football's fortunes have switched? Could you s- explain the transformation? Um, football is uh, cyclical and it operates in cycles. Sometimes Spanish sides will be top. Sometimes English sides will be, sometimes German sides will be. At the minute, um, it looks like the French and German sides are, are doing very well. Um, so, yeah, the, there's not really been a transformation. Next season, it, it will be someone else. There needs to be a sustained period in order it to be fortune switched. I think the way the breaks happened, it's just been fortunate to um, to allow two German sides to reach you know, the the last four and two French sides, which is very strange because you've got one league that came back the first and had a long break and everybody said that would be a problem. And the other two teams are for a league that didn't play for five months. So um, I don't think it's switched as yet. I think it's just a cycle. Yeah, that's it. it does just move around. That's the way football works. Well, guys, I think that more or less does it uh, for today. I would say that we'll not be back until the competition's over. But, you know, when RB Leipzig beat uh, PSG 25-0, we'll maybe have to do another podcast. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Though we are very happy to have so many German coaches and two German sides in the semi-finals of the Champions League. And here's hoping we can get an all-German final. We'll keep our fingers crossed for that. But um, I've been your host, Bryce Dunn, and I think that'll do it for today. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll feed us in. One gift that never gets returned? Trick question. It's three gifts, beer, wine, and spirits. And with Drizzly, you can send the gift of drinks right to your loved one's doors. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and holiday spirits, then get them delivered right to that lucky someone's door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code JINGLE at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Believe. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.